The WBEN All Local. All Local. A daily look at what's happening in Buffalo, Western New York, and the world. I'm Susan Rose. I'm Brian Mazurowski. Outside right now, partly cloudy skies. We have 63 degrees in Buffalo. At Bill's training camp Monday, the pads went on for the first time. That meant a big day for Damar Hamlin, who had not been involved in a full contact practice since his on-field collapse in January. After practice, Hamlin spoke about what yesterday meant to him. A super big hurdle, as you can imagine. You know what I'm saying? Pretty much lost my life playing this sport. You know what I'm saying? So to come back and do it all over again you know it's just a it's a it's just you know it's, it's all over the place you know what I mean but I'm rooted in my faith I'm rooted in you know the love of that I receive from my family um, my teammates you know and the love all around the world that just it, it keeps me going you know what I'm saying and I, I got goals that I that I still want to achieve within this game you know and football teaches you so much about yourself it teaches you so much about life uh, you learn so much about yourself through the game the Bills back on the practice field a little bit later on this morning, but great to see you, Jamar Hamlin. Got a big ovation, you know, running out to the practice field. Uh, fans, you know, mobbing him yeah. after uh, practice, but incredible to see him. Uh, did say, though, you know, didn't get in a ton of contact, you know, just kind of regular practice stuff, you know, not uh, anything too crazy. He's into it. That's he okay. was, uh, he was good, you know, happy to be back on the field. We'll hear a lot more from him coming up later yeah, this morning. A lot of attention on him for sure for that first time yesterday with pads. Water spouts developed along the Lake Erie shoreline Monday. Meteorologist Andy Parker explaining how it happened. There are usually some low top thunderstorms with some cool air that is crossing the now warmer waters of Lake Erie. Lake Erie temperatures in the 70s. When you get the right recipe with low level shear that produces a little bit of swirl and some of those spin up into the funnels that people see along the shoreline. Lots of people shared pictures on social media. Water spouts rarely come on land. However, they can be hazardous to boaters. All right. Um, those uh, pictures all right? over yeah. the place yesterday. Incredible to see. I was wondering with so much talk last week if people were going to think they were UFOs. <laughs> right? I mean, they're like right. perfect cones uh, coming out of the clouds. Pretty uh, crazy to see. Well, gas prices saw a steep increase in the past week in Western New York. WBEN's Brayton Wilson with why it's happening according to those in the industry. Elizabeth Carey from AAA of Western and Central New York says this has not been the typical year for gas prices locally and nationally. Normally they peak and they go up around 4th of July because so many people are traveling. And this year they were really flat through 4th of July. But what we're seeing is they went up 12 cents in Buffalo in the past week. So now we're seeing a big spike there. But what happened is oil prices are really low, like $60, $70 a barrel. And now they're up past the $80 a barrel mark. So that really pushed those prices up. Patrick DeHaan from Gas Buddy says gasoline inventories have dropped to their lowest July level since 2015, with the price of oil rising for five straight weeks now at $81 a barrel. Another reason for the spike in gas prices across the country has to do with heat-related issues in some of the major refining states like Texas and Louisiana. If there is any positive light into the spike in gas prices, DeHaan believes the pace of increases may slow down in the week ahead. We haven't seen any new wide-scale outages at refineries or disruptions, and some of the heat has cooled off, but it's left some lingering issues that are being dealt with. I don't know that will go up as much this week, but I do think the trend will probably remain to the upside, at least for the next couple of weeks. However, once the gas prices
prices plateau, there might not be much relief coming at the pumps in the near future. OPEC has continued to tighten and cut oil production. If that's a trend that continues, we probably won't see much sizable long-term relief, and we could continue to see prices higher if OPEC maintains or enhances those production cuts in the months ahead. And so far, there is word that Saudi Arabia, which began cutting a million barrels a day in the month of July, could continue extending its production cut of a million barrels into the month of September. So not much promising news, at least for now. Brayton Wilson, WBEN.com News. Here, 378 on average. It's up three cents from yesterday and over a dime from this time last week. So yeah, we are going up at a pretty good clip here. Not just us, though. Happening around the country, we'll hear more on that in about a half hour. New York officials shut down seven unlicensed cannabis dispensaries Monday, alleging the owner ignored repeated notices to stop operating without approval, sold cannabis products to underage customers, and once held hunts for Easter eggs that were redeemable for pot products. The owner of I'm Stuck Shops in Cayuga, Oswego, and Wayne Counties, David Tully, denied selling products to minors. He told the Associated Press his stores offer consulting and education about cannabis products for a fee and provided free samples so they don't need a state license. The shop closures come as New York has started to crack down on hundreds of bootleg pot shops that have opened since the state legalized recreational marijuana in 2021. More information as a trucking company calls it quits. It'll impact about 300 employees in Tonawanda and Cheektowaga. They were once a familiar sight on the nation's highways. Now Yellow is putting the brakes on its big rigs for good. The company filing for bankruptcy and shutting down after 99 years in business. The Teamsters, which represents many of the company's employees, says after years of financial struggles and growing debt, Yellow can no longer compete in a changing industry. That's despite receiving seven $700 million in pandemic-era loans from the federal government. Among Yellow's many clients, Home Depot and Walmart. Daria Albinger, ABC News. Mounting legal troubles for Donald Trump. The former president says his indictment in the January 6th case could come any day now with the grand jury expected to meet today. The indictment also looming in Georgia after a judge rejected Trump's bid to stop the investigation into election interference in that state. This all comes as a manager at Mar-a-Lago faced a judge yesterday charged in the classified documents case against Trump. Carlos de Oliveira is accused of conspiring with Trump's aide to try and delete security cameras footage. De Oliveira did not enter a plea. He's been given more time to find a local lawyer. Now, Trump has denied any wrongdoing and accuses the Justice Department of harassing him. That's M. Wynn in Washington. Well, alleged Gilgo Beach serial killer Rex Hewerman set to appear in Suffolk County Court in New York today for the first time since he pleaded not guilty to charges of killing three women. It comes as Long Island authorities say a massive amount of evidence was found at Hewerman's home after a nearly two-week search. His now estranged wife, Asa Ellerup, also speaking out, saying her home family have been torn apart. Police say they found nearly 300 guns, many of them stored in a walk-in vault in the basement. Hewerman, a successful Manhattan architect, faces three counts of murder in the 2010 unsolved Gilgo Beach deaths of three women, all in their 20s and believed to be sex workers. He's also the prime suspect in a fourth killing. Ellerup quickly filed for divorce after Hewerman's arrest, saying, my children cry themselves to sleep. I mean, they're not children, they're grown adults, but they're my children and my son has developmental disabilities. He's so distraught and doesn't understand. 
And as a mother, I have no answers for him. Derek Dennis with the latest. Again, he is in a courtroom for the first time since pleading not guilty today. Many in the comedy world remembering Paul Rubens, the guy behind Pee Wee Herman. Jimmy Kimmel tweets that Paul Rubens was a brilliant and original comedian who made kids and their parents laugh at the same time. Conan O'Brien writes that Rubens was famous for sending nonsensical memes to people on their birthdays. And his surreal comedy and unrelenting kindness were a gift to us all. And director Guillermo del Toro called Rubens one of the patron saints of all misfitted, weird, maladjusted, wonderful, miraculous oddities. Rubens had secretly been battling cancer for the past six years. He was 70 years old. That's Jason Nathanson there. Uh, Sad to hear. Yeah, uh, kind of uh, surprising right. for a lot of people to hear that yesterday. Your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast. Partly sunny and pleasant today. Temperatures being the low to mid 70s. Could see a shower later today, especially inland away from the lake. Tonight's partly cloudy and cool. Overnight lows in the mid 50s, 40s across the southern tier. We head into your Wednesday with a good deal of sunshine. Temperatures in the upper 70s. Some scattered showers return on Thursday. With your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast, I'm Chief Meteorologist Aramon Kaus. Congressman Brian Higgins talking about the northern border and some concerns around staffing shortages there, causing some big delays at the bridges. Congressman, thanks for joining us. Um, You're once again urging Customs and Border Protection to shore up uh, these staffing shortages. What exactly, in your mind, do they need to do right now? Well, hire more people and stop the mandatory redeployments of Customs and Border Protection agents from the northern border to the southern border. Uh, That's the problem. And uh, the ability to hire uh, Customs and Border Protection agents from the western New York area uh, is made more difficult because they know that uh, they will be subject likely to a mandatory redeployment to the southern border. And that disrupts families, it disrupts, uh, you know, work schedules, et cetera, et cetera. So you just don't have uh, the personnel that you need to adequately um, cover both the northern border and the southern border. So hire more people, but stop the mandatory deployments because that undermines the ability uh, to get new recruits. How many staffers have been transferred from here? Do we know? Yeah, they're doing they're doing it in uh, like 30 to 35 uh, number increments. Uh, there was a deployment uh, in June. Uh, there will be another one in August. And uh, it's just, uh, it's an intolerable situation. You, you know, this is the peak travel season between the United States and Canada, as you know, well, that we already went through a very, very difficult 36-month period during COVID. And all of the restrictions, uh, you know, still haven't been lifted. And it just creates a situation where if you're coming from Buffalo and you're going into Fort Erie, it will take you probably 10 to 15 minutes, you know, to get through to to clear customs. Uh, You come from Canada into Buffalo, it's sometimes 45 minutes, sometimes it's an hour and a half. And as as I said before, you know, all economic actors are more confident. We move and when we're not, we don't. So my concern always has been that uh, people will adjust their economic behavior to do what? To avoid that thing that they don't want to deal with. And that's the the lengthy delay. And that's not good for the United States, Western New York. It's not good for uh, Canada and uh, Southern Ontario. And for a lot of businesses that have relied on some of that tourist uh, money to come in, uh, people from Canada coming into 
the U.S., whether that's Niagara Falls or here in Buffalo? Have you heard from a lot of those business owners? Yeah, we you know we interact with them on a regular basis. Twenty-one million uh, Canadians come into the United States every year, and they spend about twenty-one billion dollars every single year. And you know when there are delays. Uh, you lose people. And not only do you lose them, you know, in the short term, you lose them in the long term because they, you know, say, why would I bother doing this anymore? This is aggravating. It's not a good experience. The greatest inducement to travel is ease of travel. And it affects both sides of the border. And uh, it's just a situation that's not good. We have 120 land ports of entry between the United States and Canada. It's a 5,500-mile border. It's the largest border between two countries. And it affects not only Buffalo and Western New York, but uh, but uh, all areas between the United States and Canada. And it's got to end. This is this is no way to manage a border. And then to compound that, you have a backlog in Nexus passes. And what is you know it's a trusted traveler program. So what you, it expedites the travel uh, when you're traveling between the United States and, and Canada. So if people who uh, are eligible for that, who have applied for it, but haven't received it in six months, where are they? They're they're contributing to the congestion in the more traditional lanes. Here, it's finally a year where cross-border travel can return to normal, and now we've got this. What can you do as co-chair of the House Northern Border Caucus? Well, keep up the pressure. You know, we've, you know, we've communicated uh, with Homeland Security and Customs and Border Protection many, many times. I'm working with my colleague, Elise Stefanik, uh, to do, uh, you know, we're looking at the possibility of legislation uh, to prohibit uh, the practice of mandatory redeployments uh, because, you know, the situation at the northern border is very different from the southern border. It's, it's different, but it's as important, uh, not only in terms of the economics, but also uh, life quality as well. So just being persistent, but I will tell you, it's maddening. And it's maddening for the people that experience this on a, on a daily basis. And there's no reason for it. Uh, you know, the Customs and Border Protection agents, they're law enforcement professionals. It's a good profession. But if you, you know, you're, you're discouraged from uh, pursuing it, if, you know, you're a Western New Yorker, you have your, your family here, and, you know, you're likely to be uh, redeployed uh, to the southern border for a period of, of three months. Uh, that's just not that's not a great inducement uh, to pursue a career at the moment as a Customs and Border Protection agent. Is it a continuation of something we've talked about so many times over the last three years, uh, maybe especially in the last uh, couple of years, where there seemed to be uh, really no attention paid to the northern border, as if it didn't exist? You know, this border between the U.S. and Canada, we had the COVID policies in effect, you know, far longer than anybody had really thought that they were going to be there for. Is this a continuation of that, of the northern border kind of being ignored? I think think I'm very disappointed with Customs and Border Protection. Uh, And, you know, agents, they want to speak out about this, and they ought to. Um, But, you know, they're concerned uh, that there will be retribution. Uh, So, yeah, it is a continuation of this. And look, this is the United States and Canada. We are Canada is 38 million people, 15 million people live in the province of Ontario. You lift the restricted, it's too restrictive already. You know, we should have a European Union-like relationship with Canada where, you know, get back to the days where, 
you know, you probably remember this. You were asked, you know, your, your citizenship and where you're going. And that was it. You cleared customs in a couple of minutes. And Customs and Border Protection agents are professionals. They, they work instinctively. Uh, they understand and, and they get tips when there is a potential problem uh, coming to the border. And they're able to prepare for it. Uh, that's what, you know, policing and law enforcement is all about. It's all about what didn't happen. They, you know, keep, uh, you know, bad things happening from, from good pe- to, to good people. And, uh, you know, that's a lot of what law enforcement's about. And, and right now it's just a high level of frustration. Uh, commuters uh, uh, that use the bridge are frustrated. Uh, the Customs and Border Protection agents are frustrated. Nobody's happy. And yet, in Canada, it's an entirely different situation. As I said, it'll take you 15 minutes to drive from Buffalo to Fort Erie uh, on, a, on, a, on a busy day. Um, so this situation has to be corrected. But I think you need a comprehensive change. What happens in, 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 in times of emergency like COVID, like 9-11, restrictions are placed, understandably. But when that emergency, you know, dissipates, the restrictions in large part stay in place, making, you know, that travel experience, that cross-border experience, a miserable one. Another frustration of travelers, Congressman, is passport delays for applications yeah. and renewals. Are you hearing from your constituents uh-huh. on this? Uh, yeah, every day. And uh, we do the best we can to work with the local passport office. That's how we have a passport office. Uh, in Buffalo, and uh, you know the the folks in the passport office uh, have been great, but you know clearly you know these programs have a customer service problem, and uh, and uh, the big demand. And the other problem we have is people plan a vacation, and the last thing they consider is their passports. And one member of the family has a passport that's that's expired or about to expire, and it becomes an emergency situation that you have to try to turn around quickly. And thankfully, we have good people in Buffalo at the passport office who are highly professional and uh, help us as best they can. Um, but yeah, you could certainly we could use another office, you know. But before we had a Buffalo passport office, people had to go to New York City uh, to get get passports. So um, you know, these are just we have just every incentive economically and in terms of life quality to lift restrictions. It's too restrictive. And uh, and we have to promote travel. You know, you look at the situation in, in Ireland and in, in Northern Ireland, you know, for 25 years because of the peace agreement, uh, the hard border was removed. And now, you know, the British prime minister is saying that the, the, the likely greatest, most dynamic economy in all of Europe is going to be Northern Ireland. Think about that. What happened there 25 years ago and and before to what's going on now. And this is what happens. You, When you have ease of travel, when you lift restrictions, you have economic activity. And the fundamentals of economic development is to import wealth that is not organically there. And we've talked many times in your show about <clears throat> how profound – Excuse me. The, uh, the you know the Canadian shopper, the, the Canadian football fan, uh, and hockey fan, and, and college student, and, and healthcare. How profound that is to the Western New York economy. It's, it's big, and and our impact on the economy of Southern Ontario is equally uh, significant. 
Uh, before we let you go, I want to ask you uh, briefly, we had seen a report out of the USA Today a couple of weeks ago kind of detailing some lack of communication during the blizzard this past Christmas. We're expecting yeah. within a couple of weeks that state report on what happened during the blizzard to be finally released. How eagerly are you, you know, waiting to hear and read what's in that report? Well, we're, we're all, you know, we all want to do better. I mean, that was a, an extraordinary historic event, given the amount of snow, given, given the wind, and, uh, you know, how quickly it occurred. I mean, this, this occurred over, uh, you know, a, a 24 to 36-hour period. So, you know, Buffalo is, you know, this is trial and error. Uh, and, and, you know, you got to try to do much, much better. The fact that uh, over 40 people had died during that short period of time indicates that we can do better. And I think everybody is committed uh, to doing better. So I think that report will not only show what happened, it'll show the way forward and it will be a basis from which changes can be made. And as you know, the federal government has a big piece in this relative to a national emergency declaration, which reimburses uh, the county and the city and others uh, for expenses uh, incurred uh, during that period of time. But certainly, you know, the tragedy is that we lost people and we shouldn't lose people. We should have a program that's, 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 you know, that's virtually flawless if that's possible. And I think this report will help us as it relates to what happened, but also as to what we need to do to do better. Congressman, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Take care. Congressman Brian Higgins. That's the WBEN All Local. All new episodes are made available each weekday morning, produced by the award-winning WBEN Newsroom.